And I wanted to uh, offer to Elizabeth and Tanner and Chris an opportunity to, to just testify uh, a short moment, Tanner, um, about what the Lord has... Not <laughs> about, a, about maybe an experience or, or something that uh, stuck out to you or that the Lord spoke. Uh, for, for my part, um, I was just, everywhere we went, just so honored to, to be there and to have the opportunity to minister. I actually um, was, was able to bring the Sunday morning message uh, at our PH church, our IPHA, uh, International Pentecostal Holiness Africa uh, um, church uh, in Nairobi, Kenya. So that was just an incredible honor. Uh, it was a blast. Uh, the church was packed. Uh, people in the overflow, um, something that we don't see so much in the U.S. today, uh, but, we, but we're praying that shifts, changes, uh, turns around. Uh, the, uh, the, the worship was particularly fun. Uh, the worship leader led us in a dance, uh, and um, from what I could see, everyone participated. Uh, I, I wonder if Kristen were to do that, what kind of participation we would have calling you out. Maybe I'll have her do it here in the, in the future. I think, I think we might have the spirit of I shall not be moved come, come upon us. Um, uh, I, <laughs> certainly not here, but in other churches that would be the, that would be the case. Um, yeah, I just, I just wonder because, you know, just, just asking to clap hands sometimes can be a challenge, you know. Everybody give the Lord a... And I'm not, not going to do that. Um, I think it is actually biblical, though, uh, for a worship leader to lead us uh, and for us to respond to it. So that was pretty, that was pretty neat. Um, and then it was just an honor to, to serve the people there um, and, uh, and be ministered to, I think, as much as we did any, any ministry. Uh, so, so Chris, Elizabeth, Tanner, any one of you, uh, all three of you feel like, Tanner, you... You look like you're moving, so come on and move. I don't know what mic. Yeah, I like the four and a half vote there. No. I might go four just for you. Okay. Um, so, like Pastor Jason said, uh, <laughs> is it on? I don't know if it's on. Hmm. That would probably, oh well, that would probably, sound guy didn't even know how to run yeah. sound. Okay, well, that would probably help. Sorry, Terry. Um, this, is, this is all part of your time, by the way. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, help us. Okay, so I need to really talk fast now. Um, anyways, it was an amazing time and an amazing experience um, to go to Africa alongside Bishop and alongside just Elizabeth and Dad um, and other people. Um, one of the funny stories, and there were a lot, um, I don't know why, okay, it was my first time ever flying, so I went in to the flight expecting it to be luxurious, like, expecting it to be tons of leg room, like, tons of area to just sleep, and I get in there, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, okay, um, so that was an experience, thankfully, Dad's shoulder is very comfortable, um, 
as I slept that whole first flight. No, but uh, it was an amazing experience um, just to be able to go over there and just to just do something that was not only something that was done that's going to affect now, but something that's going to be able to affect generations to come. Um, you know, we got over there to the village, I think, on Tuesday, and we were pouring concrete, and um, they were coming up with them um, with the water on the donkeys, which was really cool. Um, but they started pouring it out, and I actually I captured a picture, but the water that they have, was it was disgusting. Um, you know, it, you would look in there, and it would just be straight brown water. But then what really got me was whenever they started dipping their, like, they had these little coffee cups, and they started dipping it in the water and started drinking it. Um, and like that, or Pastor, or not Pastor Michael, um, Mr. Mike said that the water that they drink is actually like some sort of like salty water and it tastes like, um, what do you call it? Uh, beach water. And so when you see people drinking water like that, it, it, it does something to you and it humbles you, um, or it should humble you and make you grateful for what you have here. Um, but to see, you know, water, we, we, I think it was third last day when we saw water come up. And just to see, like, that's not only going to have an impact, like, a, from a year from now or five years from now, but it's going to have a generational impact to see kids not have to go to the travel a mile and a half to two miles just to get dirty water, but they'll have clean water in the snap of a second. That's something that does something to you, and it just makes it, makes it all worth it. Um, it makes all the travel worth it, even though it's not luxurious like I thought. Um, it makes all the, the bumpy uh, roads that you're traveling worth it. Um, just to see something that's not only going to have a generational impact, but something that's having an internal impact, and one that's for the kingdom of God, and one that's drawing people closer to him, and just one that's going to have a life-changing effect throughout the community. Um, it's something that the Lord spoke to me, and he just, he just did a good work in me as we were on this trip, and it was an amazing experience to just be on. Um, I know my time's running short, but I want to just leave you with this. Uh, we've got missionaries really across all across the world, um, Africa. I know the Argos are in the Philippines, um, but be led to give to them and donate to them, um, or just if you know, I know we know people, but if you know a missionary or know people who are called into that field, um, be led to donate to them and support them financially, because the work they're doing is not only one that's going to have lasting impacts on this earth, um, but one that I believe that's going to have generational impacts and eternal, eternal impacts to come. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got. I think I said under four minutes. Thank you, Tanner. Yeah, it was about five minutes. Pretty good. <laughs> Elizabeth, look like you're leaned forward. <laughs> okay, after coming to Africa, um, one thing that I really love is indoor plumbing <laughs> and actual roads. Those are two things that America has that I love so much. And I missed a lot in Africa. Um, but I was going to Africa, like, expecting, you know, to teach and to share the word of God, which I did. But more than anything, I think Africa taught me and showed me a lot of things and revealed to me a lot of things. And one of them that I noticed was joy. Um, the people of Africa are just so joyful. And it's like you're walking through the slums or you're driving on the dirt roads or you're in the big cities of Nairobi. And you just see their joy, and you hear their laughter as you play with the kids. And it's just something I noticed. Like, they don't have 
near as much as I do, and yet they probably have so much more joy. And that's something that I wanted to carry back with me was the joy of the African people. Another thing um, that I really noticed was their praise. While we were in the village, you know, you hear the donkeys screaming. I don't know what you would call that as they're walking by. You hear um, dogs, like, barking at each other, the big sound of the drill. And you hear all these sounds of the village. But as I'm walking past this little church that has really no walls, you can hear the praise of the women there. And it just fills the entire village with their voices. And it's so beautiful. And so what I took away from that was to bring my praise into every building that I walk into, to let it fill the city that I live in. And I encourage all of y'all to do that too. Uh, America is just as big as a missions field as Africa is. And um, we should carry our praise into every building we walk into, whether it's school or work or church. We should bring our praise everywhere and let it fill the atmosphere that we're in so that even when the donkeys are screaming and the dogs are barking, the main sound that everyone hears is our praise. And that's um, what I really t took away from the trip. So good. Praise the Lord. Chris, anything to share? <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What, what, how would you describe a donkey sound? That is a unique, that is a unique thing right there. Mm. <laughs> All right, first off, uh, as a lot of y'all know, we lost our luggage, you know, when we got to Africa, which was discouraging, but now that I look back, it was a blessing. And the reason it was a blessing is on Sunday, we, you know, we got back to the house about 2 o'clock, woke up about 6, but we were able to relax and get to know everybody. If we would have had our luggage, we would have got up, got on the bus, and went straight out to the village and stuff like that. So it was a blessing that we got to meet the other 14, 15 people that we didn't even really know. Uh, plus, it gave Elizabeth a time to shop for some more clothes <laughs> and Tanner. Uh, but the biggest thing, you know, playing with the kids uh, is always enjoyable, seeing a smile on their face. On the first day, going out to the village and throwing them candy, and they looking at you like, what is this? Because they don't know. They don't know what candy is. Over there, it's called Sweeties. And you throw it down, and they'll just walk on by. On the last day, they was chasing the bus because they figured out what it was. So that was a blessing and everything. And I don't know, Elizabeth and wherever Tanner's at, it was a privilege to be over there with y'all because to see y'all experience this for the first time and see what it done to y'all, guys, these two right here, I mean, they didn't complain. They didn't, you know, they didn't fuss. You know, the food, I, would have, I was praying for camp food. And if anybody's been to camp, you know, camp food is, is bad. But, you know, they didn't complain. They jumped in. They worshiped. They danced and everything. And, you know, if, if anything come out of it, it was a blessing to me to be with them too. And, uh, you know, 
here in the near future, I hope we go back and I can take these two and some more with me. And maybe, nah. <clears throat> but, you know, it, like Tanner said, if you see, you know, an opportunity to give to the missionaries, give to them because they sacrifice a lot. Uh, and they don't do it for the praise or everything. They do it because they've been called to do it. And uh, that's about all I got. How much time did I take? A good? Yeah. All right, now you got 45 minutes. Yes. I still have 40. 40? Yeah. We'll try to knock it out in 40. I'll tell you what, Chris is a tremendous blessing over there. He's like right at home. Uh, I don't know. The, the people love him. He loves the people. And uh, grateful, for, grateful for his service to him there. Um, I could see him going back again and again and again. Um, doesn't, seem to, doesn't seem to bother him one bit. Um, Elizabeth, uh, like Chris said, did a fantastic job. She was able to preach to uh, a school of kids uh, and, uh, and just uh, proclaim the word of the Lord. Um, Tanner was able to preach to the kids uh, in the village there. So pretty neat. Pretty exciting um, at, at 17 and 19 to have already, uh, have already preached a message in Africa. Um, took me till I was in, in my, you know, somewhere in my 40s, <laughs> somewhere there. Um, praise the Lord. Uh, would like to um, go back to a passage of Scripture that we touched on a few weeks ago before we went to Africa. So we were two weeks in Africa. Uh, right before that, I, um, I, I touched on a passage in John chapter 6 that I would like to uh, revisit uh, this morning. Uh, and um, I think it's very important uh, for us, um, for, our, uh, for our freedom, uh, and uh, and uh, and seems to be essential uh, to us not being um, carried away by the deceptive, uh, false, destructive spirit of uh, Antichrist. Uh, one of the things that continues to disturb me and trouble me. Uh, is uh, is how many are led away uh, to false, deceptive, uh, destructive um, what what I would identify as uh, antichrist uh, deceptions. Uh, so this this that we tackle this morning uh, is essential to that and a, and a tremendous uh, help uh, to us. Uh, in John chapter six. Um, the, uh, the people have just been, if you remember, they've just been uh, fed by Jesus. Um, they've, they've seen him do other miracles. Uh, the, the, the miracle of the, of the feeding of the 5,000 is just an incredible uh, miracle because you've got 5,000 men plus you have uh, women and children and Jesus feeds this, uh, this massive crowd uh, with uh, loaves and fish, just a few loaves uh, and fish, uh, and, and the people, you know, see this incredible miracle. You know, they've heard his uh, teachings, 
They've watched him do uh, other miracles, you know, change the water into wine, uh, another uh, amazing uh, miracle. Uh, And and so he's gathered a following. This is an interesting point uh, that needs to be uh, highlighted, uh, is that there are many disciples who are following after uh, him. They've seen something about him. Uh, recognize something, uh, have had needs met, miracles uh, take place, and so they have, they have, they have abandoned things to follow after Jesus. So they are certainly following him and believing uh, in him. And in John chapter six, um, one of the interesting things that takes place is uh, is that. Because of what Jesus says, because of what he is teaching, this starts to affect those who are called his disciples and who are following after him uh, to where in, in John 6, uh, 66, uh, there is, a, there is the, the passage of scripture that says that, they, that many of them start to turn and walk away uh, from Jesus, which, you know, as, I, as I've often said here, I think is a good uh, description of the purpose of the spirit of Antichrist. Now, if you, you remember that, uh, we, we know that, uh, that um, in the tribulation there is an Antichrist, uh, false, uh, lawless man who is going to appear, but we know from, uh, from uh, 1 John that that spirit of Antichrist is already now at work in the world, and that and the purpose of the spirit of Antichrist is, is John 6, 66, to walk away from Jesus, to turn and leave Jesus. Walk away to whatever else you want to, right? But, but just walk away uh, from uh, Jesus. So we see that uh, happening uh, in John 6, 60. Uh, six that they are that they are turning and walking away uh, from uh, Jesus, but then but then there are those who uh, are not. There are those uh, who uh, stay. So let's let's read those uh, verses uh, once again and just highlight a few uh, things here. John six. We'll start at at sixty six and read uh, seven and. Um, and eight and nine, four, four. So Jesus is teaching some difficult things. Uh, from this time, many of his disciples, isn't that interesting? Many of his disciples, this is, this is those who have, who have on some level believed in him and are following after him and watching him and, 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 and listening to what he says and and searching for answers from him, they're, you know, they're called here disciples. Someone, someone who is, who is uh, looking to uh, you. They're looking to Jesus to learn and to grow and to know. Uh, so many of his disciples. It's not just many of the people or many in the crowd. It's many of his disciples who have believed in him turn turned back and no longer followed him. It's a troubling passage of scripture. Uh, not, not, only, not only because this happened in, in John 6, but because I feel like we see this happen now. 
that there are those who have believed in Jesus and followed after him that, that are turning and walking away to different things. And we need to recognize that this is, the, that this is a, a, a result of the false, deceptive, destructive, uh, highly deceptive spirit of Antichrist. It's a highly deceptive spirit um, that, that, that desires to lead people to carry them away to other things to carry them off, uh, away from uh, Jesus. Now, I, I think you see here what you see happening now, that I think these people think they're doing the right thing. I think that they are so deceived that they believe that, that uh, Jesus is mistaken, and that they are to turn away from him and walk away from him. They're, they're probably doing this maybe even out of a passion for the Lord and for the law and for the Old Testament. Very much in line with, with what uh, the Apostle Paul did. You remember, you remember Paul's story? First, uh, he, is, he is not the Apostle Paul. Uh, first, he is the, maybe, maybe we could call him the persecutor Saul, uh, who who has dedicated his life to persecuting uh, the church and trying to erase the name of Jesus and doing it all out of a passion uh, for God and for his glory and for uh, his honor, going, going completely the wrong direction, uh, passionately uh, serving the wrong uh, purpose and, and doing it... Uh, Doing it, uh, I would think, for the most part, we, we see that there was struggle in him, but thinking that he was in the right, thinking that he was doing good, thinking that he was doing the right thing. But there was something that shifted and changed in his life so that, so that he completely lays that down and abandons it, completely turns and shifts gears to, to instead of, persecuting the church to become the church's greatest builder. And instead of trying to erase the name of Jesus, to become the loudest voice proclaiming the name of Jesus. To, to the point where he said, to where he said, I, I preach Christ and Him crucified. To, to, to the point that he said, uh, for me to, Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To the point that he said, Everything else, Philippians 3, I consider loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. What, what shifted and changed in his life? What happened to, to Saul to where he abandoned uh, becoming the, the persecuting Saul to become the Apostle Paul? What happened in his life? What happened was he saw Jesus. He met with him on the road to Damascus and saw him in a way that he had never seen him before, knew him like he had never known him, and that encounter with the real Jesus changed his life so that he repented from everything, started fresh and new, repented from trying to, to, to wipe out Jesus, to giving his whole self to serving Jesus and living for Jesus and building Christ's church and proclaiming Christ's name and saying, saying that all that I had before 
everything that I was before. And, and it's important to recognize what he had. He was a wealthy man. He was a powerful man. He was an accomplished, successful man. He was a famous man. People, people in, in the right circles knew who he was. He lays down all of that, all of that, for a life of not, not persecuting now, but a life of being persecuted for the cause of Christ because he saw Jesus like he had never seen him before and recognized who he was. And there was something on that road to Damascus that he saw in Christ that he realized that Christ and serving him and proclaiming him was worth far more than anything else he had. And he laid it all down and says in Philippians 3, he said, he said I don't even consider it worth comparing there's, there's not even, it's not even worthy enough for me to give it a comparison. I don't even consider it worth comparing to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. He said the greatest thing in life, the most wonderful thing, the only thing really worthy is to know Jesus to walk with him and talk with him and learn from him, to be his disciple and follow him all the way to the end. He said everything else is, is nothing. Everything else is, is worthless. I lay it all down if I can just know Jesus. That's not the path he started on. But seeing Jesus changed the whole direction of his life, and it was the path that he ended up on and stayed on. And there was no amount of, of difficulty or persecution or deception. It's very interesting, isn't it? The enemy comes against Paul. That spirit of Antichrist comes against Paul. Persecution comes against Paul. There's no persecution and no deception that can ever disrupt this man's course that can ever take him off of this path there was something about the knowledge of Christ that he had that he had that he had had revealed to him that entered his heart that forever kept him on the course of proclaiming Christ and him crucified of living to serve Jesus and build his church and proclaim his name and to know him more and more and more and more and more there wasn't any there, there was a turning to Christ and never a turning away from him. Even though he had, even though he thought maybe he was started out on the wrong, on the right path, it was a revelation of Christ that revealed to him he was on the wrong path. And 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 he had the wisdom to change. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift from the Lord, the wisdom to recognize when you're wrong and change. Instead of being uh, hard-headed and continue on that, on that path uh, to, have, to have the grace of Jesus and, 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 uh, and the wisdom that God gives and the revelation to see wrong and turn to the right and repent and follow after Jesus. So here, here there, there, there are those who believe, who are 
turning away and no longer following him. So they were at one point in time following him, and now they're no longer following him. Many of the disciples. But then you've got verse 67 that says, that says uh, Jesus turns and asks the 12, uh, you don't, you don't want to leave too, do you? So here we've, got, here we've got the many disciples who are following after Jesus who are turning and walking away. And then, there, and then there's another group, there's the 12. Now, the 12 are asked the question, are you going to leave? And they respond with this question. Peter, Peter's speaking up for them. They respond to that question with this answer. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. There is this, there is this, this powerful declaration that Peter makes uh, for all of the twelve that says, we're not going anywhere. These other disciples, these other followers, they're turning and walking away. But Jesus, we are staying with you because we recognize that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We recognize that you have the words of eternal life. We recognize that you are the Holy One that has come from God. And we have, we have come to not only believe, but we've gone beyond that to a knowing we're growing in our knowledge of who you are and we don't have all the answers and we can't explain everything that you're saying and don't even understand all that you're saying. But, but we know this, we're staying with you because you are life. You are eternal life. You are the son of the living God. You are our everything and our all, and we are not going to abandon you, and they never do. Now, they have a difficult moment there when Jesus goes to the cross and things get, things get a, a little crazy for them, and, and, but, but they, they are right back to Jesus and spend their lives serving the Lord. Now, um. So, so you've got these two different groups. You've got this, the, the, these disciples that believe and are following who, who abandon. And then you've got the 12 who believe and know and recognize who Jesus truly is. Now, I want to go back here in, in chapter 6 to, uh, to verse 25 and read over some things that Jesus has said uh, here that'll that'll maybe help us to understand the differences between uh, the two groups uh, and uh, and and how we can align with the right group. Um, personally, I would like to be counted among that group of the twelve who stay with Jesus. I don't I don't want to be numbered among the many who believe who depart when when things get difficult. I want to I want to stand with the twelve who are gonna who are going to stand no matter what because I recognize that that it's Christ and Christ alone. Um, so so remembering now Jesus has fed and uh, and now the people are looking for him and when they found him on the other side of the lake they asked him Rabbi when did you get here and Jesus answered very truly I tell you you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And we would assume that Jesus is right. I will anyway. 
Then Jesus says this, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? It's a, it's a great question, isn't it? They asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? What is, what is, you're saying not to work for, this, for these things that spoil, but to work for uh, food that endures uh, to eternal life. Uh, so, so what are the works that we've got to do uh, to please God and the works that God requires? And Jesus answers. This is, a, this is a, a powerful answer. This is where I wanted to get us back to this uh, morning and to spend some time trying to understand what this means. Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Notice, notice right off the bat, just a little change uh, between their question and Jesus' answer. They asked, they asked works with an S. What are, the, what are the works that we've got to do? Right, because there was a under the old covenant, there was a lot of work to be done. There's there's a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross. Many things that you had uh, to do. So they're asking Jesus, you know, you know, we know we've got work to do. What what are all these different works to do? And Jesus Jesus wipes out the S and just says, "There's just one thing. There's just there's just this one thing. The work of God is this." to believe in the one he has sent. He says, here's, here's what God's called you to. Here's the work that he has for you. It is believe in the one whom he has sent. And we, well, you know, we ask, well, who is the one that he has sent? We know, Peter, Peter remember his response? He says, we know, Jesus, that that's you. We recognize that you are the Holy One of God. We recognize that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the only begotten Son of God. God, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whom did He give? Whom did He send? It is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one that He has sent. Uh, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the same word, by the way, uh, in, in John 3.16 as it is here uh, in John 6.29. The work that God has for us is to believe in the one he has uh, sent. So, so we, are to, uh, we are to do this one thing. We are to believe in our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. But, but then it gets a little bit complicated and confusing, doesn't it? When you, when you go over to, to John 6, 66, and we see uh, these disciples who are following after him, who are clearly believing in him, and yet they turn and walk away from him. So, so what does this mean, or, or maybe we should say it like this, what does it mean to believe in the one he has sent? Because maybe, you know, one of the connects that, that my mind goes to is James chapter 2, uh, what is it, verse 19, where, 
where James is talking about faith without works, and he says, he said, even the demons, he said, you believe in Jesus, good. He said, even the demons do that. Even the demons believe in him, right? And, and, and we recognize, as you would read through uh, the Gospels, that that's true. When Jesus, like in, in Mark chapter 5, when he approached the man who was demon-possessed, the demons recognized him for who he was. And they said, and they recognized his authority and his power. They knew, they knew he was the son of God. They knew he could call them out. But, but were they doing the work of God? Even though they believe in Jesus? So, so what does this mean? Does this, does this mean that we just believe that he's the son of God? Or, or is this believing bigger and deeper and more? We, we recognize that it has to be, right? Because we've got two groups of people, the, the many disciples and the 12 apostles, and they both believe, but on different levels. One group believes, and yet that belief doesn't hold them. And when things get complicated and difficult, they turn and they walk away from Jesus. They are, they are if you will, carried away by the false, destructive deceptive spirit of antichrist even though they believe in Jesus and follow after him but then there then there's the other group the 12 who are not carried away by this false destructive antichrist spirit and they stand and they believe and they follow and they serve and then we recognize like we've already talked about one like the apostle paul who at one point in time was being carried away, and yet he came to believe in Jesus, and that changed his life to where he spent his life serving Christ, and nothing led him astray, or carried him, or deterred him, or, or interrupted his service of our King. It doesn't seem like he had any moment of, of backsliding or or. or or even uh, a weakening in his passion or lukewarmness. He saw Christ in a way that led him to serve him with, his, with passion all the days of his life. And then, and then there are those like the, the uh, rich young ruler in Matthew 19. We remember this story. Uh, who, who believed in Jesus to the point of coming to him and saying to him, I'm doing all these works, but I recognize I still lack something. What is it? And Jesus, Jesus said, you know, do all those works. That's fine. And he said, he said, I'm doing that. I still lack something. And Jesus said to him, gives him this great invitation. He said, go in, because he had a lot of money. He said, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And then Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and walk with me. Come and come, leave all that, abandon it, consider it for what it is, not worth comparing to the invitation that I'm giving you to follow after me. And he, the rich young ruler, did not. He, he chose the riches of this world over a life spent knowing Jesus. He considered, he, he did the opposite of Paul. He considered the riches of this world of greater worth than the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he walked away from the Lord. 
So we have those who, who will be carried away. We have those who will walk away from the Lord. We have those who will consider the wealth of this world worth more than the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But then we have those who do not. We have those who do the, who do the work that they're called to do, the work of believing in the one whom he has sent, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we need, to, we need to recognize what this believing is, what it looks like. I think, um, interesting, it's, it's Peter that really, I think, gives us a great help uh, to this, uh, which is interesting because Peter's the one who said, he said, no, Lord, we're not going anywhere. Where where we go? We're, we're staying right here with you. You have the words of life. You're the Holy One of God. We're going to stay with you. Peter ends Second uh, Peter 3, uh, sec- the, the book of Second Peter actually ends that letter uh, calling us to, to know Jesus and to grow in a knowledge of who uh, he is. And I think this really helps us understand uh, the work that God has uh, called us to. Verse 17 says, Therefore, dear friends, since... Since you have been forewarned, be on your guard uh, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure uh, position. So that's why I've been using that carried away uh, phrase right there because Peter uh, warns us uh, that, uh, that we've got to be on our guard, otherwise we can easily be uh, carried away and fall from our secure position. It's, it's almost like he remembers back uh, to John chapter 6 and remembers those who were believing and following and, and in the right place, listening to the right man, following the, following the Son of God and hearing the words of life, and yet they were carried away uh, by, by, uh, by the lawless and fell from their secure uh, position. So he says, he says, dear friends, uh, since you've been forewarned, uh, so he spends, you know, Second Peter uh, warning us and reminding us of, of the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, of the deception that there will be out there that that's not going to happen, that things always go round and round and they're going to continue to go all round and round and that Jesus is is never uh, going to return. And he, and he reminds us that Jesus is going to return, that there's going to be a deception that he's not, and tells us how those things are going to uh, unfold, uh, and, and now warns us to be on guard so that we're not carried away by that deceptive uh, spirit of Antichrist, uh, which, which Paul refers to in uh, Thessalonians as, as a spirit of lawlessness. Um, so, so verse 18, he says this. This is, this is so important. If, if we're going to stand secure uh, in Christ Jesus and not be led astray, if we're going to do the work that God has called us to, listen to this. He says, but, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. God be glorified now that He be glorified forever. Amen. 
I think this is a good help to us to understand the believing that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 6, that it is a growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we are growing in knowing who Jesus is, in knowing His grace and in knowing uh, who He is uh, in, in, a, in a, not I believe in Him way, but in a, I'm following after Him, walking with Him, knowing Him, doing life with Him, growing in relationship with Him. The only way to really grow in a knowledge of who someone truly is is to, is, to, is to be in relationship with them and grow to know them for who they are. You can, you can believe in someone and not know them, but when you enter into relationship with them, you begin to know them for who they truly are. And this is what... This is, what believing in Christ is. And this is, what, uh, this is what it needs to take place in our lives. Uh, otherwise, we, otherwise we are in great danger of being easily carried away by the Antichrist uh, spirit because we don't know the true Christ. So we're deceived by the Antichrist one. Um, just to add a little weight to this, I don't, I don't want to add fear to it. I just want to add a little weight to it. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, 21, and then we'll, then we'll come back uh, to this. This is Matthew 7, this is, this is Jesus ending uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and this is what he, this is what he says, it's, 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 it's interesting. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's quite a statement, isn't it? It's it's not everyone who's, who's calling on me is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? So, so not only are they saying, Lord, Lord, but now they're telling Jesus on that day that, that hey, we served you. We prophesied. We we, we proclaimed your name. We drove out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. And Jesus doesn't, he doesn't take issue with any of this. But he does say this. Then he says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He says, he says you didn't know me. I didn't know you. There wasn't a relationship. There wasn't a knowledge. There wasn't a knowing. There was, there was, there was a you uh, using me to serve your purposes. But it wasn't, it wasn't you considering everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Jesus says, this is what I want right here. I want you to know me. I want, us to, I want us to walk together and talk together. I want us to be in relationship with one another. I don't, I don't want you to be one of the, the many disciples. I want you to be one of the 12 
who come and sit around the campfire with me and gaze upon my face and hear my words and know me for who I truly am. I think there are many, many Christians who have believed in Jesus and maybe come to the altar and confessed Him as Savior and Lord because they want forgiveness for sins and they want a ticket into heaven, but they're not walking with Jesus. There's no passion in their hearts to know Him for who He is. First, Second Peter's call to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Christ has no impact on them. They see that as a hindrance from knowing and gaining all the things that they want from this world and all the things that they want for themselves. Jesus says, Jesus says the work that God's called us to is to believe in me, to, to, to know me, to walk with me and talk with me and grow in the knowledge of who I am. So maybe a good question for us to continually ask ourselves is, am I walking with Jesus? Am I striving to know him for who he is? There's, there's not a whole bunch of works that I have to do. There's just one work relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to walk with Him and grow in the knowledge of who He is, grow to know His grace and trust in it and be dependent upon it and grow to know Jesus for who He is. Let's put Second Peter back up on the screen there. Second Peter 3. Peter says, be on your guard so that you're not carried away. So in order to be on your guard that you're not carried away, here's, here's what you do. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Make sure that, make sure that life is now and forevermore about his glory. And grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So very quickly, let me just give you, give you two helps for growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and we need both. We need to grow in, in, in the grace of Jesus and grow in the knowledge of Jesus. I wish I had time to, to break these down uh, more, but grace, grace is, is growing uh, in, in the knowledge of, of the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of our Savior every day discovering that and learning it more and more and trusting in grace, not in works. The work is this, to trust in His grace. Grace is, grace is, is though not only the mercy and the forgiveness of God, but grace is His unmerited gift it's his undeserved gift. It's that, it's that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That he is enough. That his grace is sufficient. That it is, when, when Paul said it in 2 Corinthians, remember he says, he says I've, asked, I've got this thorn uh, because of great revelation. I've asked the Lord to take it. God's answer was this, my grace is sufficient. 
And then he talks to us about the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's I am growing in an understanding and in a knowledge of the power of my Savior and of his power to save and his power at work in my, in my life. So I'm growing in grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me give you, let me give you two helps uh, for growing, uh, growing in Christ. One is, is simply to ask. I think this has been a, a tremendous help to me personally. Is It hit me probably a year or so ago. I was reading back through the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is you know, which my parents had me memorize when I was a kid, but still go back through it all the time and things hit me in different ways. And I came across that passage that I read to you in Matthew chapter 7. And I thought, you know, I'm preaching, I'm giving, I'm proclaiming Jesus, but do I know him? And I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to stand before him someday and have him say, and, and say, Lord, Lord, I, I prophesied, I ran I did camps. I went on missions trips. I, I gave my finances. I preached every Sunday, Lord. I, and, and him say, I don't, yeah, but, but there's no relationship. I don't know you. We don't know each other. And I, I don't believe that's the case. I'm at peace with the Lord. But, but it did stir my heart to want to say, Lord, I want to know you. I just don't want to spend my life proclaiming and, and serving and, and never walk with you and talk with you and, and know who you are. I, I, want, I want Acts chapter 4 where they, you remember where they had Peter and John and what they recognized about Peter and John is that they're unschooled ordinary men. I want, I want that. I want people to recognize, man, this kid is stupid. He don't know anything. He's just an ordinary fella. But, but, He's been with Jesus. But they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And when, and when I see him on that day, I want to know that I'm seeing him. Because I already know what he looks like. Because I already know who he is. And, and that's what that stirred in me was just to ask, Lord, help me to know you. Help me to know you more to grow in the knowledge of who you are. And when we ask good things from the Father, He gives them. And if it's, if it's His work for us to, to believe in the Son that He has sent, then surely He's going to help us to know Him if we will ask don't be content, maybe, in, is a good word, in your relationship. I don't, want you to be, I don't want you to be fearful. You have come to Jesus. Your faith and trust is in Him. Your, your desire is for His glory and His honor. I don't want you to be fearful, but, but it is a good thing to... Uh, Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I desire. He says, there's one thing I ask that I might gaze upon your countenance, that I might see your face, that I might be in your house, in your temple, in your presence all the days of my life. So ask, 
If you're not sure where you are, and maybe even if you are, ask the Lord to take you deeper. Ask the Lord to bring you closer. Ask Him to, to help you to know Him more and to, and, to, and to bring Him more, bring you more into His confidence and into relationship with Him. So, so there is the, the, uh, the importance of asking. And then secondly, um, this, is, this is how I worded this. The second thing, it is, is, to, is to make a covenant of firstness. Um, I know that's not right, but it communicates, I think. To make a covenant of firstness to where Jesus is first and he's not second. I think that's what, what covenant does. Covenant, when you covenant with someone, it brings them first. Right? A covenant with my wife She's first. She's become first. Everything else is second. And when we covenant with Jesus, he's first. Everything else, everything else after that. See, the American church has got it way, way backwards. It's not a covenant of firstness. It's not Jesus first. It's a covenant of heavenness. It's, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven which is a good desire, right? I don't want to go there either. I want to go to heaven. But, but the key, Jesus came not just to save us from that. That's a wonderful blessing and benefit. He came that we might come to him and know him for who he is. And when we know him, to know the Father. That's what John 1 says. Jesus knows the Father. He's the one that's seen him and he's the one who reveals the Father. Covenant of firstness to where Jesus is first and everything else is second. He's, he is our number one main priority. He is our first and foremost relationship. I hope and pray that I've made a covenant of firstness with my Savior. Uh, and I think that my wife is okay with that. She wants him to be first. And I think that's what he wants and desires. And there's something that happens when you make someone first in your life. The day that I made joy first in my life, only second to him, I began to grow in the knowledge of who she is. And every day since, I have grown in the knowledge of who she is. And when we make Jesus first, it's then that we begin the journey of growing to know him for who he truly is. So if we want to know him, let's ask. And then let's make a covenant where he's first. And we'll grow in the knowledge. And that, saints, uh, is the work that God has called us to. Everything else flows out of that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you have so loved us that you didn't want us to be separated from you, but to be united with you 
one with you, to know you. And we just ask uh, this, on this beautiful Sunday, we ask, Lord, that, that we would not be of the crowd uh, who believe and follow, but when things get difficult or tough or confusing or carried off by the deceptiveness of our enemy, we ask, Lord, that we would be of the twelve who stand with you no matter what because we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God, that you are eternal life, that you have the words of abundant life, the words of eternal life. Help us, Lord, to know you this morning, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. With your eyes closed and heads bowed. Today, if you would like to renew covenant with Him and just make a covenant of firstness, a covenant of Jesus, you are first and everything else is second. I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray. Yes, hands up all over the room. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My hand up with you. Just pray together. I'll lead and you can just repeat after me. Just pray this from your heart. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the one sent from God. That you have the words of life. That you are Savior and Lord and Jesus. I put my hope in you and my trust in you. And I promise and covenant to follow after you, to serve you, to make you first in everything, in every way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You make covenant with him. Make him first. You'll grow in the knowledge of who he is. Growing in the knowledge of who he is. You're doing the work that God's called you to do. And you will not easily be carried off by the deceptiveness, uh, destructiveness of, of our enemy, the devil. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great, uh, beautiful uh, Sunday and a wonderful week. And uh, make him first this afternoon and do it again tomorrow. Do it again the next day and the next day and the next day. And, and, and you'll be all right. God bless.